Hello everyone, a very quick one from me. This podcast would not be possible without our amazing podcast partners. Because you listen to the show, you are able to get your hands on exclusive savings on both Vincherry and Sourcebreaker. They're award-winning products, and if you are a growing recruitment business, then you have to check out Vincherry, who are a all-in-one recruitment operating system for your growing recruitment company. With Sourcebreaker, if you truly want to equip your teams with the best possible tools to stand out and beat the competition, you have to look at Sourcebreaker. Use the link in the show notes to get a demo booked in, check out these products, and get your hands on those exclusive savings. Welcome back to another episode of the Recruitment Mentors Podcast. I'm your host, Hisham Mazuz. And I'm really excited to be joined by George today. And uh, this is another installment of our short series that we're doing called Early On in Recruitment, where basically I'm sitting down with recruiters that are early on in their career. We're talking the first 12, 18 months, and we're finding out what have been some of their biggest challenges. What have they learned along the way so far? Advice that they can share with us that could be helpful for people that are still early on in their career, and also to talk about why we believe more people should be choosing a career in recruitment. So George, thank you for joining me. Thanks for having me, Hisham. And look, where, where we're going to start with all of these uh, is just to find out how has recruitment compared to what you expected, George? Talk to me about that. Um, so to be honest, I didn't really know what to expect. I feel like like most recruiters, I sort of just fell into the career, didn't really know what to do with my life or what to expect after finishing off at uni um, I knew that it involved helping other people get jobs uh, and it sounded like a pretty simplistic career um, but obviously in terms of that I couldn't be more wrong. <laughs> so you expected it to be simple speak to people that want jobs how how has it actually been how would you describe it now? Um, so I mean it's probably slightly more high stress than I thought it would be. Uh, there's a lot, there's a lot going on, lots of things to learn and lots of things to remember. Um, the training that I had uh, was pretty quick and it was obviously really, really efficient. So I was able to get onto the job quicker probably than I thought I would be. Um, but yeah, I mean, o- overall I'm enjoying it a lot more than I thought I would. Um, I'm working a lot harder than I sort of ever have previously. Um, so yeah, I mean, overall it's definitely a really positive thing for me. Um, sort of wish I, did it straight after uni uh, rather than uh, doing anything in between. So, okay. So with that, then if you're, if we're in a pub right now Mm. and you're surrounded by people that might have just graduated, people that are looking for their first job, how would you describe recruiting to them? Um, Lots of, lots of negotiation, uh, lots of trying to understand people or maybe a slightly deeper level than if you would just be having a com- casual conversation with someone. Um, it's about understanding people's driving factors and underlying motivations. Uh, handling objections is a big part of it, of course. Like, And you learn pretty early on that the first time someone says they're not interested in working with you and they give you a reason, it's not necessarily the real reason. So I guess it's about <laughs> sort of digging up people's true reasons and real natures of uh, what they're looking for. Okay. So I always like asking this question, what, what skills or experience and has recruitment given you so far that maybe you, you least expected? It sounds like you didn't have any major expectations, but yeah, what, what is it maybe given you that you've been surprised by? Um, yeah, I guess, like I say, understanding people, um, 
some people call it social engineering uh it's something i'm really <laughs> interested in so i've sort of just finished a book uh by a top fbi negotiator uh discussing about uh of course negotiation yeah, and, uh, that's absolutely yeah non exactly yeah that's the one reader yeah um, never split the difference you have to read that book if you're listening I would to this honestly i'd recommend that to anyone starting out in recruitment or even later in your journey in recruitment it's um, in life exactly yeah i mean and that and that's another thing um recruitment i feel like has allowed me to develop into a version of myself that i wouldn't necessarily have been able to activate if it wasn't for this job mm. i mean uh, these are these are skills you do on the job right but they're applicable to pretty much any any sort of social interaction you might have whether it's like you said in the pub or whether it's uh, something a bit more serious um, and yeah, just just anything. Everything's so applicable, um, and it's definitely helped me a lot in areas outside of work as well. So let's just talk about that for a second, because this this honestly came out in the last series, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I'll ask you a question. Your friends, family, would they? Do you think they would describe you as someone after, like, with your nine or so months in recruitment? Do you think they would describe George as someone that's more confident um, after like yeah. the nine months? Yeah, I think I think definitely. Um, I've never really had too much of an issue with confidence or meeting new people, um, which I think has actually helped me a lot with the job. But um, definitely, I've seen improvements within myself, and I like to think that family and friends would have noticed improvements as well in terms of this sort of stuff. Um, yeah, no, I'm definitely definitely more confident, more able to sort of speak to anyone uh, without any sort of former interaction. But yeah, I mean, so physical cold calls seem a lot easier, I guess. Is one way to <laughs> yeah sure no no thanks for sharing that i just just find that interesting a lot of people share that it's actually yeah there was someone that was maybe a bit confident or didn't have as much confidence going in but since they've been on this journey it's given them the confidence to communicate confidence a bit of relationship speak to people and yeah that's such a positive uh that can have such a positive impact on your life as a whole not just in in a work context so i was curious to, to ask that yeah so sure. i'm sure you would have heard it but a very common sentence that people typically hear is like the first year in recruitment can be the toughest. So let's dive into like the the hard parts of this journey so far, right? Because you're you're like nine months in, right? So you are in the thick of this this journey, getting to that first year mark, which is really exciting. So talk to me about, I guess, what has been the sort of lowest low so far? Like recruitment's a roller coaster. That's what this podcast used to be called because I experienced that firsthand. So like talk mm. to us about your lowest day so far and we can then talk about what you learned from it or how you got through it. Yeah, so I mean, I I had maybe a slightly different um, initial path into recruitment in my first year. So I was sort of lucky enough to have quite a quick rise to success. This is uh, mainly down to the mentors I've had along the way, my team leader, um, the, the training I received, as I mentioned before. Um, but yeah, I, I found success quite quickly. Um, and my first few months were easier probably than some other people around me who also work incredibly hard. Um, so I was, I was going to a point where I was averaging about three deals a month um, wow. pretty early on. And then suddenly everything went wrong. So I had a dropout. And then one manager of a role I'd been working really hard at uh, decided they were going to have a hiring freeze uh, with no notice. Uh, and another one I was doing the same sort of work rate on, uh, they filled the role internally with, again, no notice. Um, and then so it, I think it was a bit harder as well because I got really psyched up to have my best, my best month yet. Um, and obviously it then turned out to be my worst. Um, and 
although in comparison with a lot of people, it wouldn't be such an awful month. I just feel like because I was everything was going so well and I was really feeling the sort of skyrocket to success. And then it just got completely blocked. Um, it, it was quite tough. Uh, what I did was um, I took a few days off to reflect and process everything. And that doesn't mean go down the pub with the boys. It's more just sort of sit <laughs> and take take some time, listen to my Chris Voss audio book. Um, <laughs> and yeah, and like just sort of walk the dog and just think about what I could have done better, why it's important to sort of taper the expectations a bit, if that makes sense. Um, and I do this thing where when I struggle with things, I sort of like to think about all the other difficulties I've overcome previously. Mm. So I think, okay, this is hard, but what else have I done that's hard and got through X, Y, and Z? And then I sort of think, okay, in comparison, this isn't that bad. This isn't that bad. And if I've overcome that stuff previously, then why am I worried about this? And then also it sort of reminds me how strong I am able to be, even if I sort of forget that in a difficult time. And that's, again, something I encourage other people to do as well. I love that. So talk to us about, feel free to get specific here because I think it'd be helpful for people. But maybe when that happened and you made that space to reflect, which I absolutely love, by the way, what were like the one to three key things that you sort of walked away with from that space that you gave yourself on like, right, I felt like I could have done this better or next time I'm going to make sure I do this. Like what were like the one or three key takeaways that you took from that, that space of reflecting on, on that period? Um, it was reminding myself that it is a roller coaster rather than just a skyrocket type of career <laughs> pathway. Um, so it sort of reminded me that I need to stay a bit grounded, obviously not be cocky about it. I mean, I wouldn't say I'm a cocky person, but it reminded myself that, okay, George, it's not always going to go this way. It humbled you. Yeah, exactly. hundred percent. It humbled me. That's, that's the best way to put it. Um, yeah, it, it made me more sort of inquisitive into managers processes so I can sort of try and notice these signs of when things might go on earlier um, and then sort of notice when when things are going to go wrong and then uh, act accordingly about it yeah I think at the beginning I definitely was I think I'm sure you may have sort of uh, reflected on this or found yourself doing this but when when you're early on you can you, you you're just looking for the yeses and you're looking for the reasons why things are going to work Right. So exactly. yeah, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not surprised that that came out of that. So you've learned that. So maybe there might've been moments when that client uh, was speaking to you that you could have gone, Oh, that's interesting. You know, you said that you met that person, like how far has that gone internally? Right. And there's, but you maybe didn't want to ask that question because that would have meant that your process would stop and that will potentially uh, ruin your, your best ever month. Right. Yeah, exactly. Everything's rose colored glasses when nothing's gone wrong at that point. So yeah. it was important and I'm glad it happened in hindsight because um, it reminded me that I need to really be more sort of uh, aware of these sort of things that can go wrong and look for the no's rather than look for the yeses. Exactly. Yeah. But best piece of us, one of the best pieces of us I got early on was like, ask a question that you don't want to hear the answer to. That's mm. because at the beginning, you don't want to do that. <laughs> yeah, for, right. for sure. So, okay, cool. Fa thank you for sharing that. So, Talk to us about, let, let's sort of uh, turn this into a positive then, even though we just did, but like, talk to me about what's been sort of your most memorable day so far. Um, I mean, that, that's a bit of a hard one. I mean, I've had a lot of memorable times. Um, I, I've, I work with so many truly inspiring people. Like I'm sort of surrounded by people who motivate me to be the best version of myself. And if I ever feel a bit tired or feel like, oh, what's the point? I sort of look around and I'm like, these people... Are just not quitting and this is what I need to be like um 
I mean, it re recently we had our work uh, summer party, um, and this was just after I had my best week in recruitment ever. So I managed to, it was, some of it was quite lucky. I can't put it all down to hard work, but um, I managed to close three deals in a week and the total value, the estimated total deal value was around 150K euros. Um, oh, wow. So when I got to the summer party, I was sort of just getting so much love and support from everyone. And I've kind of never feel, I'm not trying to get too emotional here, right? But I, <laughs> I've never felt so value, valued in anything I've done. Um, and I mean, there were, there were new people who had just started pulling me aside saying, oh, mate, what's the trick to success? How, how have you managed to do it? I want to I want to have the same route as you. And it just sort of felt incredible. Like I've never been that guy in anything before this job. So it sort of reinforced the fact that recruitment has truly allowed me to become the best version of myself and also a version that I actually didn't really believe was possible in myself, to be completely honest. Yeah, that's that's amazing, George. Thanks for sharing that. So I'm assuming here, like, are you in contract? Yeah, I do contract. So, look, I'd be stupid not to ask you, George, but when people ask you that internally, what, what's the response? That's what people want to know. How can uh, people listening, <laughs> wanna, they want to get their runners up quickly, they want to have this success quickly. What, what, what was you responding to people when they were going, George, I want to sort of get to the position you are in, or what, what has been the secret? What, what did you share with them? So for every, everyone has their own sort of flair or their own sort of thing that makes them a bit more niche or a bit more unique, right? But... For me, I think there's one thing that everyone has that's undeniable, and I'm sure you know what I'm about to say. You've got to work seriously hard um, and sort of just really embrace the grind without sounding too cringy. I mean, you've got to just take <laughs> it as it comes and just really, really go for it. Um, and then also, I think, be innovative. So one thing that I try and do is always do things that no one else is doing or very limited people are doing. Like, I mean there's obviously work smart and work hard but i think it's the combination of the two so work incredibly hard and never stop trying and never give up and always be resilient but also calling through and i mean there's a time and a place for it right i'm not saying never do it but calling through lists and lists and lists that you have on a crm won't necessarily net you the same amount of success as spending maybe a quarter or a third of your time thinking about things and just observing and seeing what people aren't doing and then going after routes to success that no one else is doing or only minimal people are doing. Love that mindset. I'd be stupid again, not to follow up. <laughs> yeah. Give me an example. Of one of those things that maybe you think you did differently or wasn't on the radar of other people that ended up sort of playing out for you. I'm, I'm curious. Um, so I guess that I use different introductions to get in touch with managers that than other people. I think the idea of sending spec CVs on email and just, keeping your fingers crossed is uh, I mean, it works for some people and it works if you do a lot, but I think I tried to make it more tailored. So you've got to go after managers who are hiring for a specific skill set that you know a bit about, and you've got some market insights relating to that, or maybe even uh, trying to pull some roles for engineering managers and heads of uh, technology in companies so that you can sort of speak to them about a role that interests them uh and obviously do it in a sort of real yeah, like a reverse, way reverse exactly. Headhunt. exactly yeah a reverse headhunt i mean i try and do it in a real way with a real role but uh just doing anything that will give you a, a leg up and sort of make managers think oh i remember that guy like in a way that mm. other people don't maybe video intros as well i like to try and do video intros to managers rather than just send them a message and an ad on linkedin nice yeah look i think what i take there is like yeah just be open-minded and, yeah, and try different sure. things don't 
be complacent and don't be like, oh, but everyone else is doing it this way, so I'm only going to do it this way. Like, yeah, that, that's brilliant. So, I'd almost, I'd almost say even the opposite of that. If you see everyone's doing it one way, then you're not going to, I mean, you're going to have to be working two or three times as hard as anyone else to be able to stand out in that way. So it's mm. almost, if, if everyone's doing it one way, that should almost be not a turn off to doing it that way. But I mean, it's just, it's an eye opener, right? So, yeah. So what, what did you learn then in your first six months that you wish you'd known from day one? Um, probably a few, few different things. I guess, again, the idea of social engineering and negotiation, understanding people is really important. Maybe the value of hard work. Um, and then also uh, knowing that it's not always going to be easy. I wish I sort of knew earlier on that there will be harder times and then I wouldn't have taken it for granted as much that I was lucky enough to have a quick success rate originally. Mm. So let's talk about this because you mentioned this a few times, like about the the challenge and everything. Like I know you really wanted to talk a bit about resilience, right? And and it is a word that obviously in the recruitment industry gets chucked around really easily. So I guess firstly, a few things here that I just want to get your thoughts on. Firstly, like what what does resilience mean to you? I'm sure you've you've may even said people to now like you have to be resilient. Or like, yeah, resilience is important. But like, what, what does resilience mean to you, George? Yeah, I mean, so it's it's a staple of the job, I think. I've, I started with, um, I think it was six or seven other people uh, in my group. Um, all of them have now left other than me in that group. Um, and I think a key part of that or a key reason is because things go wrong for people and they don't or they haven't necessarily developed that mindset of bouncing back from it. So I guess for me, it's about having a certain mindset that means when things go wrong, you can sort of say, okay, cool, that's gone wrong. It's not ideal, but I'm going to keep working. And every every time someone says no, it takes you closer to a yes. And like, so you said, obviously, a number of people start at the same time, aren't there? What, like, how have you got better? How have you sort of de- developed or worked on that bounce back muscle? How have you, you said that obviously earlier you took some time out to reflect, but what do you feel, do you do maybe on a daily, weekly, consistent basis that helps you build that muscle because yeah it's something that yeah you have to build over time right and continue to work on yeah exactly it's like about building a mindset and training yeah like you said training that muscle of resilience and I guess it's changing my outset someone someone said to me in a training session that there's two ways to think about this job you can either think of it as an obligation that like oh, I've got to get up at whatever time six thirty, seven in the morning go work an eight or nine hour day come back put in a couple of extra hours because I really want it um and then go to bed and do it all again and people think of it as an obligation whereas you've got to flip the mindset and think of it as an opportunity where it's like i've now got the opportunity to uh have financial freedom probably much more quickly than most other careers that are out there that don't require years and years of training like being a doctor or a lawyer or anything like that um and then also it's thinking about the reasons why you do things i mean it's like you can think of stuff as i should do that I should make an extra call. I should work an extra hour. I should really try a bit harder at sourcing this role. And a lot of people have the mindset of I should do that. And then that's where it stops. But it's about switching that to thinking I need to do that. And it's like, if I'm going to be successful, there's no point thinking I should do that. It's that I need to do that. So I'm going to make it happen. Seems like you've really, I love that you've really bought into like cultivating your mindset. Yeah, it's like the, it's one of the things I pride myself on. And I've really sort of since starting this job become kind of obsessed with that whole sort of uh, upgrade in the mindset thing. Personal development, improvement. I love For it. Sure. But what I also take from that, and this is going to be a theme, I just know it is you've taken accountability and responsibility for that. 
it's not yeah it's not like you're relying on other things or yeah like you've taken responsibility for that which... yeah definitely i mean if if things are going wrong i mean if things are going right you don't want to say oh things are going right for me because of someone else you want to say things are going right for me because i've worked hard so it's the same mm. way of if things are going wrong you've got to think about things have gone wrong because i didn't do enough i didn't probe around the objections enough or i didn't look out for these negative signs it's like things go right it's because of you but then in the same way the only way to really enjoy that and really feel that way is when things go wrong it's you as well and embracing that mindset yeah so some people aren't willing to do that so that's what i wanted to point out so just look i'm, I'm just curious like if if you're i don't know how you how you feel about this or what you have to share but i just wanted to ask you like with you gone on this journey then of this of this like my of you being on this mindset really buying into that how is that like how have you found have you found like you being different to your friends <laughs> that's a um, bit of a weird question but like i guess what i'm trying to say is this, i think i look the, from the conversations i have as you as you grow the like your friends change and these things and i think sometimes it can be really challenging for people where people might be listening to this and they've really bought into recruitment. They've really invested themselves. And then they, their friendship group is still people that are like, and there's no judgment here, but people that aren't on that wavelength. Have you found that? And have you had to deal with that? I don't know. I just thought I'd ask that. I was just curious. It might be useful for people. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, people on, I mean, a lot, a lot of my friends are in quite high stressful jobs where there is opportunity to be successful. Um, but I mean, it's, you're always going to get that sort of, pushback from people who say like oh, why are you still working let's go pub or like just something like that or just general mm. sort of things that aren't gonna contribute to success I mean that's obviously the easy path so that's the thing that the majority of people are doing so I mean as much as it's important to if you're working hard to enjoy yourself at the same time and uh, if you're if you're experiencing sort of financial freedom then do things with it that make you happy um, and reward yourself for hard work but at the same time, you've got to put that hard work in. So in general, I think I have had times when sometimes my friends or people aren't as happy with me as they could be because I'm sort of thinking I need to, they're like, oh, you could just work from home today. I'm like, no, because I'm more productive in the office. So I'm not going to work from home and get to the pub for half five. I'm going to go to the office. And if I get there at seven, I get there at seven. Or if I don't come because I've got other stuff to do, then I don't come because my success sort of has to come before everything else. Um, and like you said, it's it's a maturity thing. And it's not that any of my friends are immature. Obviously, um, it's going public. I wouldn't want to badmouth anyone. But, no, no, um, no, I was I wasn't yeah. asking you because of that. I was just, you, no, you've been sure. honest there. I appreciate that. It was just, I think it's, it can be an interesting part of life, right? Where like yeah, you're, you're clearly like really committed to maximizing this opportunity that you've got. And sometimes you can, like this is all part of it, right? Read any personal development, but they're going to tell you the average of however many people you're, you're with, right? So I just yeah. thought I'd ask you, because I think sometimes this can be an interesting challenge for people as they go through life where they find themselves that actually the friends that they originally had don't end up having the same aspirations. And that can be sometimes difficult. Right? De definitely, definitely. And I mean, it's, it's a case of, I think some people have this, some people are happy with going to a job, checking in, working eight hours, checking out and then you're just chilling for the evening and you're relaxing on the weekend and that's fine like if you, that's if you fine, yeah, do that, that's not, not a problem at all but some people I think have sort of more of an inbuilt drive whether it's from uh, it could be from anything but uh, some people have an inbuilt drive to be the best that they can possibly be and the best version of themselves and I definitely if I'm not being the best version of myself I don't feel satisfied and it does sort of bother me a bit so it's like yeah if, if you do have that mindset then it's a great career to get into 
So how look you you've really you've really sort of been honest here around like your commitment work ethic. So I, I had this question from a number of people like I, I wanted to ask you. So how how have you sort of handled your work life balance? How have you gone about handling that? Do you feel like you've got a good grasp of that? Do you feel like you've you're happy leaning more into work? Like how how have you handled that so far? Yeah, I mean, I, at this stage, I'm definitely happier leaning more into work. I have a lot more of a purpose, and um, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's different because I sort of went from uni to a job where it was fully remote, work as much or as little as you want, sort of basic data entry type stuff, um, and it was the sort of thing you could do while you're watching Netflix in the background. So it was just sort of a case of if I want to work four hours of the day, I can. If I want to work an hour, if I don't want to do anything, I don't have to. So like getting into something that has a more strict regime, um, not in a negative way, like it's got a more strict regime of you've got these hours to work each week. Yeah, you can work from home these days, but these days it is something that was a big challenge early on because of course at uni, it's a case of like, you want to miss your 9am lecture no worries you can probably watch it back online like you want to like watch it the next week because you, you're going out that week cool um but yeah I mean it's it's been a big change but I think I have adapted to it I mean I'm lucky enough that I've got a great working environment a lot of uh, the people I work with uh, do go out and socialize a lot we've got a lot of work events and uh, sort of nights out we do um but yeah I mean I'm a strong believer of when it is time to put in a serious shift then you might as well do it properly. It's the old cliche, if a job's worth doing, it's worth doing well. So when it is work time, it is work time. Like I'm not going to be distracted by anything. Love it. So look, you've mentioned training a couple of times. Yeah. I wanted wanted to make sure I asked this because you shared that. What what do you think the sort of best training advice or piece of advice from training that you've received sort of so far that you feel like has really uh, worked for you since sort of going on this journey? Um, so, I mean, it's, it, there's a lot of things, there's a lot of things, but I mean, I, I would say know your market, um, understand whatever market you're in, make sure you understand the ins and outs and people will tell you things. And it's very easy to sort of know a few definitions of the market and like, but it's important to sort of delve a bit deeper and ask those questions that other people aren't asking. Like I said, I'll keep going back to do things that other people aren't doing. So if they're telling you a lot of things or you've got a lot of information to take in from people training you, I would say still learn everything, be a sponge, um, but then also go back after and ask further questions. Just make sure you really understand everything you're learning. And if there is anything you're even remotely not 100% sure about, then I would say get clarity on it. Um, anyone, any good trainer will also always be happy to help people who are willing to sort of go above and beyond in terms of learning. So know your market. Anything specific about anything specific around like growing your contract book, winning clients, getting with for projects, like anything specific around that that has really played out for you that's come from training, do you think? Um yeah, I, lots of smaller things. Um so people want the smaller things, George. These are the things yeah. that people love. So don't you may think it's not a big deal or it's not that thing, but actually it it, it might be for a lot of people. Yeah. That's why I asked. Uh, yeah, no, it's fair, fair enough. Makes complete sense. I mean, I'd say write write things down. So I've got um, a whole folder on my work computer of uh, different BD notes and documents I've made just sort of over spare time or whatever. Um, so I know, for example, like when I've got a manager call, I've got one document I open every time um, where it tells me all my ways of handling different objections, 
um, all my things to probe on and uh, get further clarity on all my different intros of ways I might introduce myself to different managers, depending on what they're looking for or what industry they're in. Um, or if we've got, if we, if it's a cold call or if it's slightly warmer. Um, yeah. So I, I'd say write everything down um, and then sort of compartmentalize stuff depending on the activity you're doing. So I, I sort of wrote a um, candidate qualification sheet when I first started. Um, and now that's sort of in commonplace for the new people at Montage. So people get sent that by their manager and then sort of all the new people, you always see it open on their screens when they're doing candidate qualifications. And that's just because I was like, I want to get the most out of this initial call because it is the first point of contact. So you want to do it properly. Um, so I would make notes. And every time I had a call, I'd think about what I can add to it and what I can adapt, how I can adapt it. Um, one other thing I would say is, um, and this is a really good thing you can implement sort of in the background passive, quite passively. Um, whenever you're having a call, think about if it goes wrong, think about the point when it goes wrong and really notice the point where the manager you're speaking to switches off or the candidate you're speaking to loses interest. Um, and then on your next call, jump, jump straight into the next call because it is very easy to fall off a bit and be like, oh, no, I had a bad call. I'm a bit nervous now. I don't want to pick up the phone. So I would say don't let yourself think like that. Jump back on the next call, but consciously thinking that's the point where the, the, the person lost interest before. So I'm going to do that differently. And then if you keep doing it differently and keep you'll sort of naturally just get further and closer into calls and uh, to the point where you can be talking to someone 10 minutes and they're just not switching off to you. Thanks for sharing that, George. So yeah, build, build a recruitment brain. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Notes. Yeah, build, exactly. Yeah, I love that. Super smart. So, so you've mentioned it a couple of times. Again, I just have to ask, but like, what would your advice be for someone listening to this who is like shit scared of doing cold calls? Because it sounds um, like you're doing a bit, a bit of them. You're doing a lot of outbound activity. What, what's what's yeah. your advice? My advice is it gets easier, I guess. <laughs> um, every Everyone has to do the cold calls to start. And like I said, it's about putting in the graft early on um, to make yourself stand out from other recruiters um so yeah i mean also remember these people they are just people realistically you're not gonna see them face to face if you're working a remote work a remote market um so we i focus on sort of germany and some areas of eastern europe and the likelihood is i'm never going to see these people face to face unless we actively arrange it together so i mean just remember you don't have to meet these people face to face so it's like if it goes wrong or you embarrass yourself it's not not that bad. Everyone everyone's been through something similar at least a few at least a few times, um, and also I mean when you're speaking to managers, they're just the same as candidates, but with a couple more years experience. Uh, that's something I got told by my trainer as well, and it really stayed with me. So it's just sort of like when I'm a lot of people get nervous speaking to a manager. It's like the CEO or CTO of a big business, but at the end of the day, they're just like anyone else you're talking to throughout the day with a couple more years experience. So I mean, wouldn't worry about it too much. So like, as we come to the end here, then, like, I think you've shared some really great things, George, but I guess a good sort of thing that people would like to hear. So like with, with what you've learned so far, the journey that you've been on, obviously nine or so months in, like, what would your advice be for someone who like really wants to have the best possible start to their career? They want to be the person that does continue on and they're not part of the six or seven people that didn't make it. So like, yeah, what, what would your advice be from knowing what you know now? Um, for people starting out and, and to have the best possible start? Um, I guess quite quite a few things probably. Um, remind yourself it's a long game. Um, results will come, but first you've got to lay the groundwork. Um, learn as much as you can. Ask questions from not just your manager, but from anyone around you who you can see is doing well. 
uh, so you can get as many people's perspectives on routes to success as possible. Um, build your knowledge so you have as many different tools to use uh, and therefore you can be as successful as possible. Do what other people don't definitely is a big one I've sort of drilled in. Um, whether that's working longer hours or using different strategies to show managers you're more worthy of their attention and other recruiters. Uh, definitely, definitely educate yourself on negotiation and people skills. Read Chris Voss, never split the difference. Um, and then just sort of learn about how to be as approachable as possible and how to get the most out of people in a non-manipulative way. Uh, and then try not to rely too heavily on caffeine, I guess. <laughs> Love that. Yeah. So look, final question, George. Uh, look, why, why do you think more people should consider a criminal recruitment, right? George, you, you didn't know about this industry. You didn't know about this career and you seem so engaged, so excited with yeah. Yeah, what you can build for yourself. So this is why I'm so passionate about having more people like you share. Look, it's been hard, but it's been worthwhile and I'm excited. And this is a really great career choice for people. So like, why, why do you think more people should consider it as a career choice? Um, so I would start with a little mini disclaimer. Um, I don't think it is for everyone. Uh, I don't think every Absolutely, single yeah, graduate should, should consider it because like I said, if you want a job where you can just clock in, work, clock out and you're done, then you should probably do something else. I mean, it, again, it's fine, but to be the best recruitment consultant that you possibly can, you need to be driven to go past this, working extra hours, handling urgent client requests in the evenings and just generally sort of doing things to go above and beyond the basic requirements. Um, but I mean, if if you are willing to do that, then it the the opportunities to be successful get financial freedom are kind of endless and it's it's all down to whatever amount of work rate you want to put in and if you are a hard working person or you feel like you could be a hard working person but you need something to really just pull that out of you then um it's a great starting point love it george thank you so much kudos to you and uh, look, uh, yeah, really excited to see how your career evolves. Like, absolutely love your mindset. I love your sort of clearly have a great commitment to yeah, trying to maximize your potential. And, and that's what this is all about. So, yeah, uh, congrats so far. Uh, I hope you uh, achieve the goals that you have for your first year. And uh, George, thank you so much for joining me. Thanks so much for having me, Hisham. It's